a good vach, a good yantif, a good chedesh. Um, Hanukkah is a time of miracles and wonder, and it's a very appropriate time to share stories of tzaddikim. And I want to share um, two stories with you tonight. Uh, the first story you may have read today, and I'm only sharing the story because I met many people today who didn't take the opportunity of reading the incredible mind counter story that was published by Jem for the Shabbos. And, uh, and, and I really um, was inspired by this story. I want to share it with you. Um, a few years ago, I think it was six years ago, actually, it was Hanukkah. And Jem had published at that time on their video, um, Story of the Rebbe, the following story. I'll share it briefly now. Um, they shared a story about a guy whose father was uh, critically ill. This was in a time when um, uh, it wasn't so common for there to be phone calls, overseas phone calls between America and the and in Israel. And this guy got a letter in the mail that said that his father was critically ill. And uh, he should pray for his father. So he at this time was studying in the yeshiva in 770, in the Rebbe's yeshiva. And uh, he uh, wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking the Rebbe for a blessing for his father. And he said, I don't know what to think. That's the words he wrote. I don't know what to think. So the Rebbe responded, it's a wonder that you don't know what to think when our Rebbeim have said, think good and it'll be good. So it's a wonder that you don't know what to think. So shortly afterwards, he did make the phone call to his family in Israel. And the crisis had passed and his father was going to be okay. And he came back to 770. And I think the Rebbe was coming back from Mincha. And he saw the Rebbe. And he told the Rebbe that, thank God, there's good news. And the Rebbe said to him, when did your father start feeling better? So he's told the Rebbe, I think it was a Thursday. So then the Rebbe said, and when did you start thinking good? He said, on Thursday. So the Rebbe said, such things should never happen again. We should always think good. That's a story that Jem published about six years ago. That Hanukkah, um, someone called me up with a real uh, middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, with a very scary situation, a medical issue. And ordinarily, I always uh, don't like saying to someone else, think good and it'll be good, uh, when someone else is dealing with some one, some scary medical crisis, because um, I feel like it's insensitive. But after I saw that video, I changed my uh, thinking. And it's insensitive not to say it. If, if the Rebbe says how important it is and how beneficial and impactful it is, no matter what's going on, like this person who had this, whose father was in a critical was critically ill, and the um, and the Rebbe said that it's a wonder you don't know what to think. Like, how can you not think this? So the advice all the time, no matter what's going on, is to trust in Hashem and think good that Hashem will make things good. That and, think, and by doing that itself, that transforms things. So that's the that's always the right advice. That's what I learned then. So that night when I got this phone call, three o'clock in the morning, when someone had this very serious issue. And uh, I'm not, I don't want to say the details of the story. It's it's, it's still a, a, a private, uh, personal uh, story of this, of this person, and and they don't want me to share the details. But suffice it to say, 
that I was able to give them the guidance of how they should feel and how they should think. And thank God, Baruch Hashem, things worked out in an amazing way for them. So in the context of this, um, I, 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 uh, although it's a story that was published today and uh, not everyone pays attention, therefore I, I will uh, bore some of you with sharing a story that you may have read today. And another story afterwards of the Alter Rebbe he did not read today, so it's uh, worth waiting for the next five minutes to hear this, the, to hear the third story. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't, if you already heard the second story, so what happened was like this: Shmuel Langzam from Crown Heights, his mother, 1952, she was di- She went to a few doctors because she uh, wasn't feeling well, and she finally ended up in this doctor's office in Manhattan who discovered that she had she had cancer, she had Yanamachla. At that time, in 1952, there weren't any treatments available. And the doctor told her that because of her condition, she has hopefully two more months in this world. So she took a subway back from Manhattan to Brooklyn, but instead of going home, she went straight to the Rebbe's Schultz, straight to 770, Actually, there's a few details of the story that I had heard, which aren't published in Jem's version. Uh, she went to 770, and she asked to speak to Rabbi Kharakov. Uh, Rabbi Kharakov was in charge of arranging private audiences for the Rebbe, and she told Rabbi Kharakov she has to speak to the Rebbe immediately. She didn't want to tell him what was going on. She wanted just to talk to the Rebbe, but he said to her, the Rebbe does not have audiences like this in the middle of the day. He only has audiences at night, and he doesn't have audiences on Hanukkah anyways, because it's Hanukkah. And after Hanukkah, all the, his schedule is booked for the next three months. So in three months, I could schedule you. She says it's life and death. It's, it's all life and death. Everyone's asking about a very important issues. I can't, I can't schedule you earlier. So um, she told him, she, she said, there's a write a note to the Rebbe. She said, I'm not literate, I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to write in Yiddish. So he told her to write in Russian. I think it was Rabbi Groner Al-Vasham who advised her, write in Russian, I need to speak to the Rebbe. And that's what she did. He wrote to the Rebbe, I need to speak to you right away. <laughs> and Kharakov gave the letter in. What did, you, what did he tell the Rebbe? The Rebbe said he wants to speak to you right before he comes back to his office after Mincha. Okay. So, the Rebbe is coming back from Mincha, and she is waiting by the Rebbe's door. Just to give you a little bit picture of who she was, in Russia, there were many Hasidim who were arrested because of their activities in teaching Torah underground and many other things. One of the worst crimes to be doing in Russia was to make a false passport. But this woman, Mrs. Langzam, she went beyond everyone else. Remember Futafas, the famous chassid, he was involved in making false passports to help Jews leave Soviet Russia so they should be able to be free to keep Judaism. She went beyond what other chassidim did, and making instead of making false passports, she managed to make real passports. She had a woman in the NKVD who she bribed to make real passports. She would meet this woman in some bathroom, and bribe her, and fill paperwork, and just to give you some picture of how how um, dangerous this was, she had to escape Russia in 1946. More than 10 years later, 
when the KGB arrested the famous Chassid of Simcha Gordetsky and they interrogated Rabbi Gordetsky, they, um, they asked, they said to him, if you could tell us some information about Mrs. Langsam, we will be a little easier with you. They didn't know that she had escaped to the United States over 10 years before. Anyway, so uh, this is the kind of person she was, someone who, who was not at all scared of the KGB and the NKVD and risked her life literally for years saving people. So the Rebbe sees her, and, Rebbe, and she starts telling the Rebbe the story, what the doctor had said. The Rebbe said to her, I don't recognize you from Samarkand. Samarkand is a, is a city in Russia that the Rebbe had never been to. What the Rebbe was, was saying was, you don't look like the same person that you were in Samarkand. In Samarkand, you were this, you know, you were this, this, this person who laughed at the KGB, and now this little American doctor is telling you different things, and he's frightening you. So, Rebbe said to her, I don't recognize you from Samarkand. That was, that was his way of saying to her, you're not being yourself. Don't get a, it's not like you to be hysterical just because just some doctor said to you something. Debbie said to her, listen to me. It was Hanukkah. I said, listen to me. Go home, give your children Hanukkah gelt, make them latkes, and forget about the whole thing. Debbie said, go home, give your children Hanukkah gelt, make them latkes, and forget about the whole thing. That's what she did, and that's how she lived cancer-free for 40 years, until she passed away. So, gives us some insight about how we should look at a doctor's uh, morbid premonition, Hashem. The Temach Tzedek said that a doctor has no permission to make a person heavy in their heart. The only role of a doctor, as the Torah says, is to heal. Actually, the Rebbe said that doctors are, were given an extra measure of joy from God Almighty. God gave all doctors an extra measure of joy because in order to heal somebody physically, they have to all, a great catalyst to being better physically is by being better emotionally. In order to be able to help people to become better emotionally and spiritually, doctors need to have an extra measure of joy themselves to be able to impart that to their patients. Therefore, the Rebbe said that doctors are given, I guess by deciding to be in the public service and help people medically, so you're granted this extra measure of joy. So that's the role of a doctor. So, and the Rebbe is saying, don't, don't even think about it. What are you talking about? That's story number two. Story number three um, is about the Alter Rebbe. This story happened in Tav Kuf Lamid uh, Zion, 5537. Um, the Alter at that time was considering moving to Eretz Yisrael, moving to Israel. As other great tzaddikim at the time had done, Rabbi Av- Avram of Kalisk and Rabbi Lahore Docker. And uh, that's just, just the time frame the story took place. This story was told by Rabbi Zalman Zezmer to Rabbi Hill Parcher, but it was a story that was very famous at the time. In order for a uh, woman to go to the mikveh, she needs to be able to uh, examine herself for seven days after a period is over, for 14 examinations, and then she's able to go to the mikveh. This woman had, unfortunately, for over two years, she had, whenever a period finished, something had happened, and she always 
was unable to go to the mikveh for over two years. They had consulted many different rabbis, and all the rabbis had no idea what to say. They all said that she cannot go to the mikveh. There's a problem. And then they consulted the Alter Rebbe. She, she was from the city of Molof. And the Alter Rebbe said like this, it says in the, it says in the, in the Code of Jewish Law that um, there are different kinds of blood. There's the blood of, of, of pigeons, there's blood of birds. And of course, if a woman's garments are stained by uh, the blood of a pigeon, so that doesn't, that doesn't make her ritually uh, impure and unable to go to the mikveh, because we know that that's not human blood, but the Code of Jewish Law says that the um, ability of a of a rabbi to uh, determine whether blood is from a, a something else or from a human being is not something that presently that people are gifted in discerning. It was once upon a time it was possible for rabbis to be able to discern this. I, I mean, the um, the, the, throughout our history, um, rabbis have always been consulted to determine whether or not a woman is allowed to go to the mikvah to the extent that the Talmud says that King David, David HaMelech, he said about himself, Yodayim Dam Maleu, his hands are full of blood because he would spend every day, he would spend time as uh, to answer women's questions about whether or not they were allowed to go to mikvah, whether or not the stains that they had on their garments were, would render them as being unable to go to mikvah or not. So anyways, the Alter Rebbe said, although, according to Halacha, I cannot, there is no um, ability for a rabbi to rule that whether blood is is from, from another animal or from a human being. However, I am positive that this blood is not from you and that you're able to go to mikvah. So the Alter Rebbe said, this is, this is the advice that he gives her. She, the next time that she's able to prepare herself to go to mikveh, meaning after her next period, she should go to a place that no one knows about her whereabouts, except for her father and mother. She should stay there. She not. She, no one should visit her there. And when it is time for her to go to the mikveh, the mikveh should be empty, and only her mother should take her there. No other woman should be there. And... And that, that's the Alter advice. Lo and behold, he followed the, her father and mother followed the Alter advice. Uh, the previous Rebbe writes a story. This was a famous story at the time that the Rebbe Zesmer told of Hill Parcher. And no other, other Rebbe was able to solve, but the Alter gave her the, they gave him this advice. And lo and behold, she was fine. She was able to go to Mikvah. Her husband was a very God fearing, uh, pious Torah scholar. And he didn't want to rely on this, and he decided he wants to wait another month to make sure that this things were okay. But um, she she was fine. There was no no stains, and and she was allowed to go to the mikveh. In the in the interim, in the summer, um, in the interim, there was a, a pandemic of cholera that uh, ravaged the city of Molov and other in the surrounding area, and the rabbis of the city announced that everyone should do teshuva in order to take away this disease. Everyone should decide to better themselves between themselves and Hashem, between themselves and others. Everyone should, should act in a better way. So, um, so the Alter Rebbe, uh, so this, so a woman in this town came to the chief rabbi of Molof 
and she told him the following story. She was crying, and she said that she made she did, she did something horrible. What did she do? She said that when she was of marriageable age, she had met the husband of the woman that I was talking about before, and she wanted to marry him. But for whatever reason, the uh, sheikh did not work out, and she didn't end up marrying that guy. She ended up marrying a more of a simple person, not as famous, not as as uh, as as this woman's um, husband. And she was very upset about this. So what did she do? Whenever she pretended to be friendly with this rabbi's wife, with this Torah scholar's wife, and whenever she would prepare herself to go to mikveh, she would stain her garments deliberately. She would slaughter a, a pigeon, and she would, sl- and she would deliberately uh, co- put blood in her garments so to, as to prevent her from going to mikveh. And she did this for two years straight, until the Altarebbe um, intervened and uh, saved her from this, uh, this predicament. So, uh, in this time of, uh, of, of miracles of Hanukkah, we have to think about some things that are going on that may be going on for quite some time. And we think that, you know, the things have to be a certain way and they can't be changed and uh, we're stuck. Things have to, but it's a time of, of miracles, time for us to reinforce our trust in Hashem. That whatever is going on, that's not the way we want it to be. Hashem listens to us and Hashem sends miracles and brachas and refuas, the Yeshuas and atzlaches. And it happens kind of fine. Hashem sends salvation through the tzaddikim, through the tzaddik of our generation, to our Rebbe, in a way that miracles happen in an immediate way. And then we just need to open ourselves up for these miracles and brachas by, by increasing our trust in Hashem to think it will be good. May we see the ultimate miracle, the coming Mashiach, Bukhara Mamish. Lachayim, Lachayim, Gudvach, Agud Chaydish, Agud Yantiv. Any questions or comments before we break? All right.